David was a warrior, a mighty warrior. Today's psalm comes from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 17. But this psalm comes when David is in the height of his reign. And so this time around, the army goes out and he doesn't go with them. And so we get a sense that he's come, become a little complacent, a little full of himself. And so in that complacency, he sees an attractive woman named Bathsheba. He forces himself upon her. She gets pregnant. He then indirectly has her husband killed. Then she marries, he marries Bathsheba. She gives birth. And God sends the prophet Nathan to confront David about all that he has done. And as he is confronted, he doesn't deny it. He doesn't claim to be the victim. He doesn't lie about what had happened. Listen now to how King David responds. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The word of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago in a Big Ten game, men's basketball, Michigan, Ohio State. <laughs> Michigan, Ohio State. I'm sorry. I read my notes wrong. Michigan, Wisconsin. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Next sermon. So, yes, Michigan, I need to get my Big Ten teams right. Michigan, Wisconsin. Wisconsin wins. They go to shake hands. And 
the head coaches start to get in a heated argument. Not only do they get in a heated argument, but it escalates, and the head coach, Juwan Howard, slap punches an assistant coach of Wisconsin to where it escalates even further. You all know that I have been a part of college basketball for decades. I've seen where players have gotten into it. I've never seen where coaches have thrown punches at one another. And so afterwards, there's this national discussion about whether or not we should do away with the handshake line. Tempers are flaring. You know, you're in the heat of the moment. The game is just gone. Maybe the right thing to do is just go to your locker rooms. Maybe that old shaking hand thing is just old-fashioned. And so as this debate was going on in a press conference, another Big uh, Ten team, a legendary coach by the name of Tom Izzo, Michigan State. They asked him, what do you think about this idea of not shaking hands? And this is where he has, he spoke for four and a half minutes. If you were to Google Tom Izzo, it's talking about, it's amazing to watch because he really let them know what he was thinking. And basically, he said, what happened after that game was wrong, and there should be consequences. But I understand that those types of things happen. Those incidents happen. But this idea of not shaking hands after a game, that makes me even more upset than what happened after this game. He said, because here I am trying to work with these young men, and here is an opportunity to teach, to learn that when you go down that line and you shake hands, if you're on the winning side, you do so graciously and humbly. You don't rub it in. If you're on the other side and you lose, no matter what the calls were, no matter what happened in the game, you go and you shake hands, regardless. Because that is the classy, that is the dignified thing to do. So Coach Izzo said that doing away with the handshake line is, might be the easy thing to do, but it's not the right thing to do. Because we have a responsibility to teach, and this is an opportunity to learn and to grow, and to mature in how you handle success and how you handle failure. This evening's passage is fitting as we begin the season of Lent. For we are reminded by the heartfelt contrition of King David that no matter our position, no matter how much power we may have, no matter our age, there is always room for reflection and remorse and repentance and learning and growing from the mistakes that we have made. Lent is a season to have an opportunity 
for every single one of us for personal and spiritual growth and development. Intentionally taking the time during this season to reflect on where we have gone astray, where we have wandered off. This is an extremely valuable season in our lives. And yes, it's painful. Yes, it's hard. And it's unpopular. But in doing so, we learn and we grow and we move forward in a positive direction. The easy thing to do tonight with all that we have going on in our lives, with all that goes on in the world, is for us to stay home. Thank you for being here tonight. The easy thing for us to do during this season would not be to enter into the season seriously, reflectively, prayerfully, to be able to say, you know what, I'm fine. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm a good person. I want to encourage us during this season with God by your side, with this church by your side, to do what is hard, to do what is right, to travel down the narrow path of self-reflection, to be willing to allow God to prune you, to prune those withered branches so that you would have an opportunity and a season to grow, to listen to God's voice saying, this part of your life needs to change right here. Allow God to teach you during this season of Lent. Listen again to these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain with me an upright spirit. I thought that what Coach Juan Howard did was absolutely wrong. To take a swipe at another coach. And he got suspended for it. The rest of the regular season, he is suspended. But like David, when he was confronted about what he had done, he took responsibility for his actions. He sincerely apologized. He showed genuine remorse. He promised to learn from what he had done and to say, I'll never do it again. When we think about all the mistakes that we have made, there are many. And God doesn't like them. But what he can't stand is when we refuse to learn from them. This approach is so much more important in God's eyes than the mistakes that we have made. Despite the mistakes that we have made, despite the regrets that we may have, the countless times that we have messed up, like King David knew, none of them are too big for God. What really matters for King David, for Coach Howard, for you, for me, is this. In order to change, in order to grow, we need to be honest with ourselves. For God, 
for one another. We need to be able to admit our mistakes and to be confident that God will forgive us and give us a fresh start. That's what Ash Wednesday is. That's what Lent is. It's a season where we can look inward, where we can reflect, where we can hold ourselves accountable, and we can desire change. It's here where we get pruned back, and then God reshapes us, and then we grow. Amen.